And so uh, I, I believe we ought to get on board with that. In fact, I want to share today about the church. Everybody say, the church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I love the church. It's not a love that's always been strong in my life. I remember when I first got born again, I watched within the first six months of me being saved, I watched two individuals in high-level leadership in the church uh, fall into major sin. One was an adulterous kind of thing. One was a financial issue. And I remember looking at that and being upset with the hypocrisy that I saw in the house of God. And I remember the Lord dealt with me early in my walk with the Lord I can get angry at the church, but at the end of the day, Jesus loves his church. And he challenged me that I can either get offended and be separated from the body of Christ. I can try and do this thing rogue, fly solo, but I will suffer for it. Or I can get deeper ingrained into the body of Christ and be an example of what authentic Christianity should look like. I can be a part of the solution rather than be a complainer on the sidelines. And so I want to talk today about the church. If you have your Bibles, I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 16. And if you're really skilled with your Bible, I'm going to read a second verse. You can open at the same time to Hebrews chapter 10. Matthew 16, read a couple verses there in Hebrews chapter 10. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 16 in verse 18. This is a New King James. It says, I will build my church. If you're reading in your Bible, those letters are in red. That's Jesus speaking. I will build my church in the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Verse 19, I'm going to switch translations. Look at the Passion Translation. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth what is forbidden in heaven, and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. That is the authority which Jesus gave to the church. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, this is what it says. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we ought to come together more frequently eager to encourage each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Meaning, as Jesus' return draws nearer, we need to be more and more serious about meeting together. And if that means that we meet together on a Zoom meeting, so be it. If that means that we meet together in a parking lot, praise God. If that means that I can wave to you and talk to you through a mask as you're grabbing groceries, Hallelujah. But we are going to be a people that do life together because we are the church of Jesus Christ and nothing will stand against the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? So this is, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to give, you know, the Bible gives a couple illustrations, a couple pictures about the church. And they're all very important. I think you'll understand how important it is for each and every one of us to uh, be fitted together. In fact, the Bible talks in Ephesians chapter 2 how we are all stones of a building, the temple of God that is being framed together. First Peter chapter 2 in verse 5 uses the same picture, says that we are all living stones that are being fitted together. In fact, I'm looking right now at a wall that's right in front of me, and it's stones that are all uniquely shaped, but they've all been fitted together. And when they come together, it forms a beautiful 
in a strong wall that supports the sidewalk. It keeps our property line uh, nice and clear and evident. And, uh, and it's wonderful. So we've got this stone wall. But to my right, to your left, I've got some other loose stones that are over here. And saying that, you know, you could take and it's like, well, I, I'm a rock. But if you're not framed together in the wall, you provide no functionality. You provide no benefit to what has been built. And I believe the body of Christ is the same way. We have people, they want to have nothing to do with a local church, with organized religion, they may say. And I just, I have my faith, I love my Lord, but I hate the church. And they just think, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, build my life on the rock, but I don't want to be a part of anything that's being fit together. You're like a stone that's not been put into the building or into the wall. It provides no benefit to anybody else. And I'm telling you, when Jesus comes back for, to dwell in his temple, are you going to be found a part of it? I'm concerned about that for, for certain individuals. Again, I know I'm not talking to most who have come here. Obviously, you value the assembling of ourselves together enough. That you're like, you know what, even if I got to sit in the car, I'm going to come and I'm going to worship Jesus. And I'm so thankful for you guys being here today. Jesus is coming back for a body that is connected to one another. In fact, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1. These are all places the Bible refers to the body of Christ. Everybody say, the body of Christ. As we come together... There's a, a literal picture that's painted of a physical body. And we know according to Ephesians that Jesus himself is the head of the body. But you know what? We all get to play a part in the body. We get to be a hand that is offering food. We get to be a voice that is speaking hope, salvation, praying, or worshiping. We get to be feet that go into nations of the world or eyes that see needs or in the prophetic, ears that hear. That's what it is to be part of the body. But I... Shared the example in the first service. My daughter, Mariah, uh, earlier this year, she smashed her thumb in a car door. And some of you have experienced this when you hit your thumb so hard that you lose a fingernail. Have you ever experienced that? The fingernail seems like a very insignificant body part. But when it's injured, in fact, she, was, she hurt it so bad it completely fell off. And it provided no use to her body. In fact, it actually caused complications where things that normally wouldn't bother her would irritate her thumb. And I'm telling you, you may feel like, well, I'm just such a small, insignificant part of the body of Christ. What difference do I make? I want you to imagine the irritation that can happen in your physical body when one small thing is out of place. Jesus looks at us like the body that has been fit and framed together. Each of us plays a unique but important role. You may not be the mouth that's speaking or singing on stage, but I'm telling you, what you do matters. The people you spend your life around and encourage, those that you love, those that you lead, your family that you care for, the coworkers that you're, your life matters. Are you connected to the body of Christ? But the third picture that we get of the church is probably my favorite. And it's the most frequently used in the Bible. We see it in 2 Corinthians 11, Ephesians chapter 5, Revelation 19, and even several places in the Old Testament, Isaiah 62 and Ezekiel 16. We get the picture of the church 
being the bride of Christ. Everybody say the bride. Did you know that you are, if you belong to the body of Jesus Christ, do you know that you are a bride? Yeah, even you men, praise God. All right, if, uh, you know, it, it's, that's just the way it is. Hallelujah, we're all a part of the bride. And Jesus is coming back, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 27, for a bride that does not have spot or wrinkle or blemish. And I've used this illustration very often, but, I, I, you know, you just imagine if you were to come to me and you say, you know, Pastor Jacob, I, I love you. Uh, I, I love hearing your preaching. You know, you're, you're nice to look at. Hallelujah, whatever you might say to me. But if you were to follow that up and say, but your bride, your wife, I just cannot stand her. I don't like listening to her. I don't like looking at her. I'm telling you, if you go about one sentence further than that, I am going to take off my pastoral mantle. We are going to break social distancing regulations, and we are going to have a physical altercation. Because you don't talk about my wife. You hearing me? Can any husbands relate? Can any wives relate? You, see, you better not talk about my husband that way either, all right? You know what I'm talking about. And I'm telling you, how do you think Jesus feels when we say, Jesus, I love you? Jesus, you're great. Your teachings are wonderful. Your words, your ministry, I just cannot stand that bride of yours. I just can't. There are so many problems with your church. I just am so, yeah, I'm never going to go. I don't want to be around your bride. You think Jesus appreciates that kind of conversation? You know, and let me just point out something. Do you think that my wife is perfect? Well, I didn't hear anybody answer, and that's good. Because I just threatened you if you insult my wife. I'll just tell you this. She's pretty close. But she's not all there. And there are moments where, in fact, yesterday, Leah had done some cleaning and, uh, and she was using bleach. And she just happened to rub up against the, the, the counter that she was cleaning with bleach. And she came back and guess what she had? She had this streak of white on her black shirt that had been bleached. Now, you just imagine for a minute if I said, hey, you know, let's go to the grocery store. Let's whatever we're doing. And I didn't tell her about the stain that she had on her shirt. I wouldn't be a good husband if I noticed that and said nothing to her. Honey, you might change your shirt before we go because you got a spot on your shirt. And in the same way, I'm not professing to you that the church of Jesus Christ is perfect. But I will say Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And so you will notice the wrinkle in the church. You will notice the spot in the church. And yes, you might even notice a physical blemish, a pimple, or a rash. But you and I each have solutions. Let me help you smooth that thing out just a little bit. Hey, you got a spot. Maybe we ought to change your veil just a little bit. I'm telling you, Jesus loves his church. And if there's anything you and I need to, to pray and believe for, say, God, help me love your church the same way that you do. One of the very interesting things, and I, I want to share a, a couple blessings that came upon the church, but something interesting happened in Acts chapter 6. There were heavy persecutions that were coming on the church in that day. They were having trouble meeting together publicly. They had to meet privately, home to home, 
unknown, unknown to anybody. It sounds, I mean, again, we're not, we're not being crucified for our faith today. So it's hard to make a comparison, but I'm telling you, this was a persecuted church. Worship was restricted in that time. And yet they found a way to worship and honor the Lord. But something began to happen. You imagine in a closed society like this was, in a day and age where women weren't always given the rights to work and to provide. And so what you had were a number of women and widows in particular who were not being fed. The church would give out food every single day, and the Bible says that widows and, uh, and women were being neglected in the food distribution. So they called together some individuals and said, listen, would you go and, and distribute food? They were being the hand of God extended into these lives, right? So one of these individuals was a man of God named Stephen. Stephen was appointed to bring food into homes. And all of a sudden, when Stephen moves into this home, miracles begin to break out. I don't know about you, but in this coming season, I'm expecting an increase in the miraculous. I'm praying for the time where, you know, you, you might have Auntie Verna hand you a bag of groceries as you're driving through our property, and all of a sudden, your stuffy nose is cleared up. You had a tumor growing on your body, and it's just dissolved, receiving groceries, okay? That's what happened with Stephen. He's in food distribution in widows' homes. And miracles, signs, and wonders begin to break out. The city gets excited about this. And people begin to come together. How is this happening? And Peter begins to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. But there is a terrorist who catches wind of what Stephen is doing. Preaching in the name of Jesus, which was illegal in that day in Rome. They drug Stephen outside of the city. And under the authority of this terrorist, they grabbed stones and began to hurl it at this man. You know the story. Stephen, that day, became the first Christian martyr in history. A few days later, that same terrorist was seeking out more disciples of Jesus. The Bible says that he was breathing threats and slaughter against the disciples of Jesus Christ. And as he's moving down the road, the Bible says that Jesus appeared in this glory, literally knocks him to the ground, and he asks Saul, this terrorist, a question. Why are you persecuting me? You notice he didn't say, why did you persecute Stephen? Why did you hurt the church? No, he says, why are you persecuting me? I'm telling you, that moment that Stephen was killed, it was, like, it was like Jesus in his physical body was being dealt a blow because it's his body. And when we persecute the church, when we come against even our own brothers and sisters in the Lord, I'm telling you, it's not that brother and sister alone that you're coming against, but it's as if you're coming against Jesus himself. I look, and what's crazy about this was Saul was radically converted on that day. Literally, his eyes were blinded. But the Lord said, I want you to go to the house of Ananias. He'll pray for you, and you'll receive your sight. You'll be filled with the Spirit. 
And that's exactly what happened. But what I find very interesting is you can read in Acts chapter 8 about how the church was afraid to receive this terrorist in. This is a man who's killed other Christians. This is a man they knew was going from town to town, city to city, dragging Christians out, having them stoned to death. How excited would you be if the Lord said, hey, I want you to receive this guy. I want you to do Bible study. I want you to pray with this man. But after some reservation, that's exactly what happened. And I know I've been kind of targeting these last moments, those who are maybe outside or disconnected from the body of Christ. But can I just talk to the church for a moment? I believe in the day and season that we're moving into, we're going to see terrorists. We're going to see broken and sinful people. We're going to see individuals that the world has rejected. No, they're a homeless addict. No, they're sexually promiscuous. No, they're a homosexual. No, they're this or that. And the world has turned their back. And I would plead with the church of Jesus Christ. Don't be so hateful and bigoted and quick to reject those who say, I need Jesus. Your sin may not have looked the same as somebody that we're quick to pass judgment on. But I'm telling you, every single person within the sound of my voice has had in their life the desperate need to have our sins washed away. And so many who are here today have received grace from Jesus for exactly that purpose. And what a shame it would be if we denied somebody else the opportunity to receive that same embrace, that same love, and that same forgiveness. We are entering in to the greatest season of soul harvest that history has ever known. And I'm telling you, as a pastor and as a church, we are not going to miss it. We will be a place where the sick can be healed, where the broken can be restored, where the sinner can be forgiven. I want you to be a part of it. Come on, if you want to be a part of a church like that, give God praise. You know, I would imagine when they saw this terrorist come into their home, they didn't realize that he would become the greatest apostle and theologian that the world had ever seen. And I want to challenge you, sometimes we may look well, that's just a troubled child. They've been orphaned. They're, they're fatherless. And they, man, they've just burned every bridge. And what if that was to become a great missionary? What if, what if that person who strung out on drugs, God would raise up to start a great business that would generate jobs for countless individuals who would fund the kingdom of God? Don't be quick to decide, well, God is done with that individual. Surely his grace is not that big. I believe with all of my heart, God is going to bring us some of the most broken and ruined situations, and I'm so excited. But you know what's incredible? When the church received Paul, Saul, who became Paul, what happened is the Bible says that the persecution against the church was lifted. Very interesting. They receive a terrorist into their church, and all of a sudden, that oppression and that hardship that has come upon the church for years was lifted. And there were, in fact, there's, and you should see this in Acts chapter 9 in verse 31. 
I've got about 10 minutes, and I, I just want to run through this very quickly. There were five blessings that came upon the church. And I would submit to you, as we are a part of the bride, the body, the temple of Jesus Christ, there are blessings that the Lord desires to pour out on each of our lives. And let me just give those to you very quickly. Number one, there is the blessing of rest and peace. There is the blessing of rest and peace. That's the first point for those who are taking notes. We see the church had no persecution. They were able to enter into rest and peace. And I believe one of the things that the Lord is doing in this day, I mean, how many of you, you found, man, I, I've, had, I've had somebody tell me just earlier this morning, I am so bored. <laughs> they're like, I'm like, you know, I think we need to have a meeting about how we can organize this or that. And they're like, anytime, I am so bored. I know a lot of us, we're working from home. Maybe we're out of a job, you know. We've got more time right now than we know what to do with. I would encourage you, I had a pastor challenge a number of other pastors this last week. He says, you know, I believe that this is a sort of a forced sabbatical. That the Lord just wants to give us time to seek him to pray, to strengthen, again, our family units. I'm spending more time with my kids. I mean, I, I'm about to go crazy at moments. I tell you, how many of you in the last month have become homeschool teachers? Okay, I have too. Hallelujah. I can't, I can't hardly handle it. But I tell you, I don't want to neglect this time that I have with my children, this extra time that I have with my wife. This moments that I, you know what, uh, we, we have opportunity to study and to pray and to seek the Lord. And one thing that I want to caution you, this actually helped me a lot. This is just a word of counsel that I, I heard John Bevere actually, you know, I was on a Zoom call with him earlier. And, uh, and he said, in this season, so much has changed. We're not doing everything as we used to do. He says, don't try and busy yourself with more stuff. You know, one of the strategies of the devil in the last days, Daniel chapter 7 talks about how he will weary the saints. I believe literally, if the devil can't make you straight backslide in sin, one of the things that he might try and do is make you so busy that you're ineffective in all that you do. Too busy for your children. Too busy to worship. Boy, I got a promotion. It takes me out on Sunday mornings. Pass on the pass on that, man. I just, I, I tell you, we need to prioritize our time with the Lord, even in this season. The Lord wants to give us rest, and he wants to give us peace. It's a benefit of being a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Number two, these are blessings that are poured out on the church. Are you a part of the church? Okay, hallelujah. Number two, there's an edification. There's a building up did you know my job description as a pastor is to make you a better you? Did you know that? That's what Ephesians 4 says, that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. My job, if you listen to me, if you'll hear me, if you'll follow my instruction, my mandate and my assignment is to make you look good before God on judgment day. And I hope that your being a part of a church makes you a better employee, 
It makes you a better husband or wife. It makes you a better parent. It makes us better all the way around. That's one of the blessings of being a part of the bride, the body, the temple of Jesus Christ. We are built up. We are strengthened. We are better than we were before. In fact, I remember I I had a friend who got saved. This was early in our ministry. And this was a guy, I mean, he was a, he was a rough guy. I mean, just one of those, he's always getting in fights. Was a rough husband. He was addicted to prescription medication. I mean, you just go through, the list was a mile long. But we received him into the church, and I'm glad that we did. Because God radically turned his life around. But I remember he told me, he says, you know, I, was, I saw some of my friends the other day. And they told me, you know what's wrong with you? Since you started going to church, now you think that you're better than everybody else. To which he replied, and I love this. He's like, I'm not better than you, but I am better. He's a better father, a better husband. He's not strung out on drugs any longer. He became better. And I would tell you, you get plugged into the church of Jesus Christ, it doesn't make us better than everybody else, but I tell you, it will make you a better you. That's what the Lord does. He builds us up as he builds us together. Hallelujah. Number three, I'm going through this quickly for you. I've got six minutes and I can do it. Number three, the next blessing that the Lord pours out on the church, on the people of God, is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Well, pastor, that doesn't sound like a blessing. Do you know what the fear of the Lord produces in your life? Just in the book of Proverbs, there's a number of things. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9.20. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord will lengthen your life, Proverbs 10.27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, Proverbs 14.27. The fear of the Lord builds confidence and safety for your children, that's incredible. That's Proverbs 14, 26. How many of you would like to be confident in life? I heard Leonard Ravenhill say that, the, that a, the man who fears God will fear no one else. I believe that, but I love that it also says it'll produce safety for your children. So many more. That's just a couple verses out of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord. So pastor, are you saying that I need to be afraid of God? If you're afraid of God, I would say you've probably got something you're trying to hide from God. That's what Adam and Eve did, right? They sinned, glory was departed, and they tried to cover their sin. The fact of the matter is you're never going to cover your sin. You've got to have your sin washed away. We've got to be honest with Jesus about our sin, get our sin cleansed. But let me give you a picture. Since the Bible says that this is the bride of Christ, we are the bride of Christ. Let me talk about my bride. Do you know, I have been faithful to my wife, even from our dating days. I've never been unfaithful to her. I never will be unfaithful to her. Even within my heart, I have never pondered an adulterous relationship or anything on that level. And I want to tell you why. I have a healthy fear of my wife. Let me tell you, on two levels, I have a fear of my wife. First of all, I know that if I were to ever be unfaithful to my wife, I know that, first of all, 
I would lose her. I know that beyond the shadow of a doubt. There's some out there, you might stick it out in a, in a, in a you know, some of that infidelity and uh, more power to you. Pray through that thing, work through it, that's wonderful. My wife would not do that. She would disappear. She'd like witness protection program, her name would change, I would be blocked off of the face of the earth. I would never see her again, I know. And there's a fear of losing my relationship with her, and I never want to do that. The other thing, and probably more serious, is my wife would probably commit murder if that were ever to happen. Uh, are there any spouses who would agree? I got honks in the first service. Uh, uh, people, oh yeah, I would kill my husband. I would kill my wife. Praise God. Ask forgiveness later. I don't know. And so, uh, but I know. So, you know, I, I fear for my life, but I fear for my relationship. And can I tell you, I believe that it's very much the same way with the Lord. In fact, all throughout Scripture, you'll hear the Lord talking about adulterers and adulteresses. And he's not talking about people who are sexually immoral. He's talking about those who have affections towards other gods or other idols outside of himself. That's how seriously God views our worship and our attention. And I'm telling you, I have a fear of the Lord. First of all, I don't want to lose my relationship with him. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you've prayed and you felt like God is not hearing because you know there's things in your life that are separating you from him. Don't let that discourage you, but get it right. All you have to do is come to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, wash me, make me new. And the Bible says he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. He will. You don't have to be separated from God. But the second fear, absolutely, there is judgment. God may not wipe you out today, but if we die unrepentant, there will be judgment in eternity. A healthy fear of the Lord is something that each and every one of us ought to have in our life. Number four, and I'm almost done. Number four, these are blessings that come upon those who belong to the body or the bride of Jesus Christ. Number four, we receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. All of this is in Acts chapter 9. We receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And since I gave kind of a violent illustration about my marriage, let me give you a, a more positive one. Do you know that because I have spent now over a decade cultivating a relationship of love and trust and honor between me and my wife, there is now something that we get to enjoy, and it is the comfort of one another's love. It's the same way with the Lord, but even in Proverbs Chapter 31, it's where the Bible gives out details of what a virtuous woman, a virtuous wife is to look like. And one of the things it says in verse 11 is that the heart of her husband safely trusts in her. And I've told my wife, one of the greatest things that I love about our marriage is that I truly feel my heart can safely trust in her. I tell you, part of the reason I've never been tempted with adultery or unfaithfulness is because my wife, her heart is continually reaching out to me. In my, my life, I feel I can safely rest in her love. There's a security and there's a comfort in the love that my wife has towards me. And it's because I've not broken trust. Now, 
I believe with the Lord, it's the very same way. When we have this healthy fear of the Lord, God, I don't want to break relationship with you. And when I fail, I'm going to get it right immediately. And as we develop that relationship with the Lord, there is then extended to us this comfort of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to hold you, and I'm never going to let you go. You're not going to suffer. I'm going to keep you safe under the shadow of my wing. There's so many promises that we could stand on in this. I will be the God who heals you. I will be your provider. I will take care of your sons and daughters. There's so many promises that are extended. That's the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And here's the last one. I close with this. If I could get my piano player to come. Number five, we see the blessing of the Lord in that there was the multiplication of believers. I want you to think about this. If you knew, boy, if I get plugged into the church, I mean, I want people to say this about our church. If I get plugged into KC, I know I'm going to have rest in peace. I know I'm going to be built up. I'm going to be a better me because I belong to that church. I have a fear of the Lord. That means that I'm close to the Lord. I don't do anything to grieve him. I'm never separated for him. And I also have the blessing of comfort in every area of my life. I'm just telling you, who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that? Who wouldn't want to be a part of a church like that? And what they saw in this day wasn't just growth by addition. Oh, a couple new people came from week to week. The Bible says that God added to the church every day those who were belonging. uh, He added to the church every day those who were being saved. Every day. And the Bible said it grew not by addition, but by multiplication. And I believe for that. Even in a time like this, you know, that just our live stream has gone up almost three times since this whole thing. Some of our broadcasts have gone up four and even five times since all of this began. That's multiplication. But I'm rejoicing in that even, I mean, this is the second time we filled not only this parking lot, but across the street. And I'm rejoicing. You know, it blesses my heart that you guys are so hungry for the Lord. I cannot wait. Till we gather together, we worship, and we see. I mean, what's God going to do in this? I believe he's going to multiply his church. He's going to multiply his church. And I'm so thankful we get to be a part of it. Aren't you? Well, hallelujah. Well, this is what I want to do. I'm going to pray for us. Because there's some... You're watching this and you say, you know what, Pastor, you're probably not sitting in this parking lot. Maybe you are. But you might say, you know, Pastor, I've I've been pretty negative towards the church. I see the spot. I see the blemish. But I need the Lord to help me. If that's his bride, I want to love his bride. I want to be a part of his body. I'm going to ask the Lord to help us. You know, in Romans chapter 6, the Bible actually says, That when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he baptizes us into his body. That picture of baptism we understand is when we're immersed in water, completely soaked. But Jesus said that when we have faith in him, when we're forgiven and we're received, that he literally takes us and baptizes us into his body. That means that 
I mean, you're completely overwhelmed. You're completely overtaken by the body of Jesus Christ. And that's what I believe to happen in your lives today. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We're going to ask the Lord if we've sinned against him to forgive us. We're going to ask the Lord to receive us into his body and to be an effective part of his church. Amen? I want everybody bow your head, close your eyes. I want you to pray this with me. Just repeat after me. Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I've sinned. I've fallen short of your holy standard. But I thank you. Your word says, if I come to you with my sin and ask you to forgive, that you will. You'll wash me. You'll cleanse me by your blood. I ask you to do that. Forgive me and wash me. Wash away my sin. Make me whiter than snow. I ask you to be my Savior, the Lord of my life, my very best friend. Receive me into your body. Show me where I fit in to this temple you're building together. Use me for your glory and your namesake. Bless me with peace. Build me up. Comfort me and teach me how to fear you in a healthy way. And I believe you're going to multiply my church, my life, and everything I set my hands to do. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. Now listen, if you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time ever, or for the first time in a very long time, I would really love, send us a comment, send us a message, let us know who you are and the decision you're making for Jesus, because I would love to give you some, you know, here's some practical steps in how we can move forward. And I want you to watch online. If you don't follow our social media, this week, we're going to be coming out with a whole new system that we're going to be able to connect, whether it's on Zoom groups, some of you may even be able to open up your homes for family and friends, uh, to have a watch party, something like that. But we're doing what we can to stay connected in this time and season. It's very, very important. So I want you to make sure to follow us online this week because we're going to be rolling that out uh, mid to late this week. And, uh, and I want you guys all to be a part of it. Amen? All right. This is what I, I want you to raise your hands. I'm going to pray the blessing of the Lord upon you. And then we're, we're done. Hallelujah. Today, I speak the blessing of God over you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all that you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously, just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor the Lord with your tithe, 
May financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait upon the Lord, obey his word, seek him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and coming in. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his light upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Spirit, in the the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I love you guys so much. We'll move out to our left. Take a bag of groceries for you and your family. If you don't need it, take one and bless somebody else that may need it. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.